Today we have the privilege of hearing from Sam Collier. Sam is a pastor, speaker, author, and podcast host, and he lives with his wife and daughter in Atlanta, Georgia. Sam speaks frequently at North Point Church, the church that organizes and shares this Be Rich campaign. Also, Sam spoke about race with two other pastors several years ago in a message titled Skin in the Game, which is featured on the Resources on Racism page of our website. I've heard Sam speak at several events, and he's on my list of people to listen to anytime I come across one of his talks because he speaks with a sense of humor combined with powerful truths. Last week, we heard from Danielle Strickland about serving, and her point was that when we are served, we discover our identity. But when we serve, we find our purpose. Sam's going to continue our series, Be Rich, by talking about loving from this message he shared last year. Sam's going to share his adoption story with his point being, when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. He's going to connect the importance of sacrifice and, and surrender with the action of love. Now, today is going to be different than many church sermons that most of us have heard for at least three reasons. Number one, Sam's only going to cite two Bible verses, but throughout his story, he shares and we see God's love for all people. The second reason is that we get a small glimpse into black culture. While obviously the barrier is quite diverse, we do have a gap when it comes to the black community, even compared to other parts of the Bay and other parts of the country. I am glad for this opportunity to hear from two voices different than my own. The, th the third reason is that about 16 minutes in, you might want to have a box of tissues ready. Sam sets the stage by talking about the situation that he and his twin sister Sarah were born into with his biological parents, his biological mom and dad, and his, and his siblings. Um, then he talks about his parents who adopted him. Here's Sam Collier. When my mother was 21, she had me and my twin sister. She had three kids already. So that's five kids, age 21, in the middle of the hospital room. Welfare. Our dad left the picture. He was addicted to crack and some other drugs. There was a little bit of prostitution going on. And so here my mother is, 21, with us two, in the hospital, and she's forced to make a decision. Do I raise them in poverty or do I give them up for adoption and pray that everything would, would, work, would work out? So she does. She gives us up. Now, before you get too sad, we did get adopted by a lovely couple that met in the laundromat in Washington, D.C. on Sunday at 3 p.m. Now, my dad, who's my dad, he, my adopted dad, just for context's sake, but I call him dad because he's my dad. Um, he usually went to the laundromat on Saturday, but for some reason he went on Sunday this day for whatever reason. My mother was in the laundromat as well. She didn't often go to the laundromat. That, that doesn't mean she didn't wash clothes. That, that just means she didn't often go to the laundromat. But she's in there as well in the middle of a divorce. My dad's also in the middle of his second divorce. My mother is in the laundromat because she needs an alibi. Because she was in a marriage at the time to what you would call a Black Panther. Now, I don't know. If any of you have heard of the Black Panther Party, but they're just a little bit aggressive. <laughs> just a little. And so because he was aggressive, the night before he had hit her in the head with the hammer. 
So she got up that morning going, I got to get out by any means necessary. So if anybody wants to know where I was at 3 p.m., I was in the laundromat because she was ready to do the impossible to whatever it took. So my dad sees her across the laundromat, walks over to her, and he said, what's up, girl? And she said, hold on, I don't know you. Long story short, they both end up walking out of the laundromat, go through with their divorces, and give their life to Christ for the first time. After they give their life to Christ, they get married. After they get married, they start doing what married people do. Now, I don't need to tell you what that is, but hopefully if you're married, you're doing it. So as they were doing the do, some of you just got it, they realized that my mother could not have kids. My mother always wanted to have kids, so she goes to my dad and she says, I can't have kids, but my dream was to always have kids. Can we adopt? And he said, okay, we can adopt, but if we adopt, I want to make sure that we get them from birth, uh, because in his first marriage, uh, the mother kind of took the kids away, and so my Two other brothers, have, one of them has HIV and AIDS, and the other one was in and out of the prison system for a season. It's just kind of the result of what happens sometimes when you grow up without a father. So he says, listen, we got to get them from birth because I don't want anyone saying I was not there for them at every step of the way. This is our opportunity to do it right, to do it God's way. So they leave Washington, D.C. and fly down to Atlanta, Georgia. They drive from Atlanta, Georgia to Augusta, Georgia. They walk into the adoption home and they walk over to our crib and they say, we want them. And the adoption lady comes running out of nowhere. and She's like, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you say you want them, but um, this is your opportunity to do it right, right? But you, you don't want them because you see where they come from. They're probably not going to be much. Drugs, addiction, prostitution. In fact, they probably will be mentally challenged. So if this is your opportunity to do it right, you, you may want to go another route. My parents, I call it, you know, the, the, the prayer closet. They kind of step back and make their own little prayer closet, and they, they pray, and they talk in this adoption home, and they come back to the lady and say, no, no, no. We think it's something special about them. We want them. So they adopt us, and they take us home. We arrive the week of Christmas. Channel 2 News comes out to the house, and the headline reads, Christmas miracle, twins have been rescued. This is what we look like. Okay, now hold on. So I know what you're thinking. I know my head was big, but what I don't need you to do is remind me Take it off the screen. <laughs> Thank you. Some of y'all were laughing a little too long. They take us home, and our childhood begins. We grew up on the streets of Auburn Avenue in the heart also of Decatur. My dad had a barbershop on Auburn. It's the oldest business still uh, on Auburn Avenue where the civil rights movement uh, took place. And sometimes he would bring homeless people out to the house when we were younger. And we'd go, why you, Dad, why you got these homeless people out? He would say, boy, shut up, give them some water. He was teaching us about having compassion at an early age. My mother uh, worked corporate FedEx 
and quit her job in corporate FedEx to be a secretary in the school system to guide our academic career. And so she looked at my sister and she said, man, she's got something with academics. She's extremely smart. Let's get her in magnet. So she puts her in all these magnet schools. She gets all A's from kindergarten up to 12th grade, dual scholarship to Spelman in Georgia Tech, and she's an industrial engineer. And then she looked at me. And she said, well, we know he talks a lot. Maybe, maybe he's an artist. And, and so she puts me in you know, this performing arts high school. By 10th grade, I was playing six instruments, got my first record deal, continued to graduate, went to ministry school, became a pastor, started a nonprofit. We reached about 80,000 kids in the inner city in a year. And finally, I ended up here with you. <laughs> I feel like I made it. Well, something interesting happened as a few years went by. I'm 31 now, about maybe six years ago, I believe, 24, maybe math is off, but somewhere around there. Around 24, um, we started participating in a little tradition that we had in the family called NFL football. Anybody else got the tradition? Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. Um, we, there's one rule, nobody talks. That's it. My dad's like, if you talk, you got to leave. You got to get out. So here we are sitting on the couch watching football, and my dad breaks the rule. Now, um, my dad's from the country, Pike County, Georgia, chickens, cows, rutabagas. Um, anybody else from the country or know somebody from the country? Yeah, you? Here's, here's what we know about some, not all, but some people from the country, that they're really loud. Okay, can we just agree? So my dad's very loud. In fact, if you were to say he was loud, he would say, I'm just talking normal. Okay, so, so he breaks the rule in country fashion, and he starts yelling at us. And he says, you know what you need to do? We said, what? He said, well, you need to go find your parents. We said, what? He said, well, you could grow up one day and marry your cousin or your brother or your sister, and you'd never know it. You need to go find your parents. We said, well, he said, do you want to marry your cousin? I said, no, I don't want to marry my cousin. He said, well, then you need to go find your parents. We said, okay. <laughs> he said, and another thing, what? The Steve Harvey show is going to help you do it. I said, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I get up and I just leave. He's lost his mind. Somewhere in his mind, as he was in the barbershop, watching the Steve Harvey show every day, he said, I mean, I, the Lord told him, this is going to I'm out of here. Well, I find out two weeks later, he's convinced my sister to write in. She calls me, and I, I said, why did you write in? She said, well, he kept yelling. She said, and besides, the Steve Harvey show's not calling us back. Ellen's not calling, Oprah's not calling, it's fine. I said, yes, yeah, okay. A year goes by. My phone rings. It's my sister. I said, hello? She said, the Steve Harvey show just called me. They're going to call you by and hung up the phone. <laughs> I said, what? My phone rings again. It's my mother. I said, hey. She said, hey, the Steve Harvey. I said, hold on, mom, hold on. Uh, I got a Chicago number. So I click over. I said, hello? She said, hey, this is Dorothy from the Steve Harvey show. I said, uh, hey, Dorothy, how are you? She said, well, this is my first week on the job. I used to work at Jerry Springer. I said, what? <laughs> Okay. She said, well, well, you know, because it's my first week on the job, there's a hundred stories that they put on my desk, and yours was the top. 
we think we can help you find your parents. Do you want to do it? I said, let me call you back. Call my sister. Sarah, do you want to do this? And she said, no. I said, okay. She said, but, you know, it feels like it might be God and you, you could get famous. I said, well, I'm not going to get famous off one show. I've got to come back multiple times. <laughs> she said, but, well, still, it, you know, you, you know, it feels like it's like God. I guess, we, I guess we can do it. I hung, hung up the phone and called Dorothy back. I said, Dorothy, we're, we're gonna, I think we're going to do it. And she said, well, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go home to your mom's house and mom, dad, and I need you to grab every paper you have that on your life, send it to me. We go home, I, I, I get there, and my mom has every Chick-fil-A and Wendy's receipt from our entire life. I said, Mom, what is this? All I need is these. And so I grab those, I go to Kinko's, and I'm there at 2 a.m., and I'm reading these packets, about 100 pages in each packet about our life. We have siblings, what? And, what? and we, you know, grandma, this and the third. I send all the papers, she flies us up. We get to Chicago, she says, we hired a private detective, we're so sorry, we could not find anyone. But what we wanna do is we wanna bring you on the show to make a plea that maybe one day they would show up. And so she brought us on the show, and then this happened. Well, everybody, uh, my next guests are twins with an absolutely incredible story. Uh, they were given up for adoption at birth, and today they're asking everyone at home for help finding their biological mother. Please welcome Sarah and her twin brother, Sam. Welcome. So, Sam, let me ask you, what do, what do you know about your birth mother? We don't know that much. What we do know um, from the papers that we had, about 100, about 100 pages in this particular packet, um, we were born down in Augusta, Georgia. She was 21 when she had us, and her sole income was welfare. That's all she had. And I think at that moment, she had to make a decision when we were born. Do I raise them in poverty, or do I uh, give them up for adoption and pray and hope that they would be adopted into a family that could take care of them? And so that, that's what happened. What do you think? Yeah, Steve, um, you know, we don't really know much about the situation under which she gave us up for adoption, but we just like to think that she did it, you know, out of love in her heart. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. What was it like for you? I got to say, it was unbelievable. You know, I call it the Moses story. Our mother gave us up, and we were raised by two amazing people. I mean, I think people are a little bit shocked sometimes because we don't really have that much resentment or so on and so forth because we, there were no holes in our heart. Our, our dad was at every basketball game, or every cheerleading match. They were, they were everywhere. And, um, you know, we believe that our mom was supposed to birth us, but our parents were supposed to raise us. Wow. Yes, Steve, um, you know, our childhood was amazing. Um, you know, our parents afforded us some opportunities that I don't think we would have had, you know, under di different circumstances. You know, they really valued education and, you know, they taught us to be faithful in God. And as a result, you know, I was able to go to Spelman College and Georgia Tech under a full scholarship. Wow. Thank you. That's right. And so today I'm an industrial and systems engineer and I think, you know, under different circumstances, I don't think I would be who I am today, so. What do you do? Uh, I went to ministry school, I'm a pastor, and um, I have a nonprofit. We <laughs> helped over 80,000 kids in Georgia, and your I life worked out for <laughs> real. <laughs> a pastor? <laughs> That's pretty good, man. Wow, these had to be two really great people. Oh yeah, they, they're unbelievable. You couldn't ask for better. <laughs> 
Well, they're here. The twins' adoptive parents, Lamar and Belinda, support their search, and they're here today. Lamar and Belinda, welcome to the show. <laughs> I guess, I guess Lamar said, I'm gonna stand up and clap for myself. <laughs> Lamar and Belinda, you encouraged them, obviously. How was that for you? It was an awesome, awesome situation. These guys here, they was made for me and my wife to raise. As far as the adoption come about, I, I decided after they got some age on them, they, they need to know their biological mom. So we sat down around the table and we talked about everything. And uh, Sarah said, well, I write a letter to Steve Harvey, because if anybody can help us, it will be Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Really? Yeah. That's why we're here today. Wow. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. And I'm truly grateful for what the mother did. And my purpose is to say to her, thank you. Thank you for having enough courage, enough love in your heart to do the right thing for some children who were more than deserving to have it. Wow. We yeah. thank you. Really? Well, uh, Sarah and Sam uh, want some help finding their mom and their siblings. Well, coming up next, we got some experts here who are going to help you make a strong plea to find your biological family. Now, here's the thing. I know I said that we didn't find your birth mother, but... That's not the case. Eleanor, come on out. like to say something? Yes, I've been looking for you guys. Uh, ever since I, I gave you up for adoption, I was young and wasn't able to take care of you. But when I got older, I, re I was able and I've been looking for you. And I'm currently as uh, a STNA and I'm in school for healthcare administrator. I turn my life over to God. I've been praying. <laughs> I'm grateful that you guys are doing good. And I want to thank the parents for raising them. Thank you. Thank God. I've been praying 25 years to find you guys. Sam, let me start with you. How are you, how you feeling? My human side is leaning in one direction, but my spirit is saying, hallelujah. Thank you. And, and I'm having this war. There's this war happening. There's this war happening in, in me that's that's wanting me to feel one way, but I feel God is saying, I know you're feeling this way, but, what I, but I, need you to, I need you to say thanks. 
because I've been carrying you from day one. And so I got, I got to say thanks. Oh, thank you. Hey. Steve, Steve, Steve. Hey, hey, man, you got to have some moments in you where you resent and you wonder, but man, oh, man, oh, man, to have just this moment of peace, this moment of resolution, what, man, that's worth, it's, it's worth the whole trip. And my God, them two people over there, man. All right, I got something else, too. So, where's well, your siblings is here, too. So, Erica, Jarrell, and LaShawn, come on out. Get This the good one right here. This your brother. Right. <laughs> this the good one. Oh, okay. I thought it was a little bro. I want to say thanks to all my guests. This has been great. No more words. We'll be back. Is everybody okay? <laughs> um, man, every time, every time. Um, uh, the, you know, the amazing thing to me, one of, there's a lot of things, obviously, but um, probably one of the most amazing things to me about this story is, um, My parents, uh, you know, you kind of see it being activated with interruptions from them that change the course. And, you know, they, they come and adopt us. And then uh, they, uh, you know, my dad screams and, you know, he just had faith. And, but but it, it's just a, it's just a consistent trend and a consistent path, like a, a consistent decision from them to guide us and to sacrifice and to push. And they're here today. My dad's 83. My mother is 74. Can you help me honor them? Can you help me honor them? Love y'all. Thank you. Um, this is a, you know, kind of a big moment for our family. We've got a lot of family and friends here that have come to just kind of support us. We've been 
maybe for the past five years, uh, just writing a book about this and trying to put into words what, uh, what the emotions have been, and it's been very difficult and um, very heart-wrenching and uh, um, all that. We, we, we've called it a greater story because um, that's what it is. It's, it's God doing something great that we could not have done on, on our own. And, uh, you know, as, as I was, we, we finished it, as, as I was um, writing it, there, there was really one moment that I continued to wrestle with at every turn. And, and, and it's this right here. Uh, so after the show, we, we got a chance to get together and um, we sat with a counselor because now you go from two families to four families at one time. Um, and so we're, we're, we're in the counseling room and, and uh, the counselor's talking to us. And, you know, I, I'll just say this, you know, my, my, my biological family is amazing, but they're from the hood, you know. It is, it's, I mean, it's Tyler Perry, all, I mean, it's just what you think, my family from the hood. You know, my brother's like, what's up, baby? I'm like, okay, what you think? And, uh, you know, so, so as we're sitting with the counselor, um, the counselor said, you know, you guys need to move slow. You know, move slow, indoctrinate yourself. He said, Doc, we got it. We've been a family. We're going to always be a family. I said, brother, hold on, hold on. And then he pulled me to the side, and, you know, we kind of had a real moment. And he said to me, I, I know that you may think that you missed out on something. He said, but there were times when we didn't eat for three days at a time. We were so hungry, we were shaking. So I know you may feel like you missed out on something, but I want to tell you this. You didn't miss out on anything. God rescued you. God rescued you. I began to wrestle with that moment. And you know, you, you go to the airport and Kind of my, my other family it went home, Sarah went home, and my parents went home a little earlier. And, and I'm walking through the airport with my headphones in, getting on the plane, and, I, and I'm just wrestling with God. I'm wrestling with God. And the biggest question I kept asking him was this. It was, why? Why? God, why did you take me and my sister out, but you left my brothers and sisters in? Why? And that, and that was really, you know, a smaller question related to a larger question that we all have in Christianity, isn't it? And it, it's, God, why, why do you do what you do? Why do bad things happen to good people? How come you don't move in this way? And how come you don't do it this way? And how come you don't do this and, and turn this and open this? I, God, why do you do, do the things you do? And as I calm down, you know, God waits on us, right? Like, are you done? <laughs> and uh, he, he says to me, Sam, I pulled you and your sister out because I had a plan. 
I pulled you and your sister out because I had a plan. And he starts unpacking for me this theological framework that unfolds in a way of, you know, Sam, with, with racism in our world and with political discourse and with human trafficking and with all of these ills that we deal with and gun violence and national tragedy. You take all of that, you put it in a pot, and then you drop in the middle of it free will. And you mix it all up together, and Sam, what you get is this life that we live in. It's dark, and, and it's confusing. And it's filled with humans that he can't make do good. You, you, you know, the, the idea of free will is great, right? Because we're like, we get to choose. And for all intents and purposes, like, no, God, we, we want to choose. I want, give me the right to choose. But then we want to say, no, no, don't choose for me. Choose for me. No, but I want to choose. But no, God, you choose for me. I, I like to choose, but I don't like what my choices put. God, why didn't you just... So, so you take free will and this idea that he can't make anyone do good. I mean, we, we take churches like North Point and leaders like Andy Stanley and, and all of these uh, Christian movements around the world. And, and what they do, uh, they exist to help move us into a framework, into a mindset that helps change our hearts and pushes us into doing good. But, but at the end of the day, all they can do is encourage us to take a step. But they can't make us do. Until you take it all and you mix it all up together and you get this crazy life. But in the midst of it, and this is why I felt him saying to me so clearly that in the midst of all of the confusion, I am doing my best to have a plan and to redeem humanity. I got a plan. I got something that I'm working. Sam, Sam maybe the plan for you was for me to pull two of you out to trade two for 80000 later on. Maybe the plan was that I would pull you out so that you could end up on the Steve Harvey show and then I could reunite and then people could know that I'm still a miracle worker. I'm still a way maker. I'm still a promise keeper. I can still do the miraculous. Maybe the plan was to pull you out so that you could stand on North Point stage one day and say to anyone that no, no matter how dark your situation is, no matter what cards you've been dealt, if you'll lean on God and let him in, he'll do the miraculous. Because he can. Sam, I, I have, I have a plan. Many people will say to me, well, that's just your story, right? Like, that's great. It worked out for you that way. God did the miraculous. And, I, and what I tend to say to them, I said, maybe I'm naive, but I just believe that God wants to do the miraculous in all of our lives. Maybe I'm just, you know, gullible enough to believe that, that we have a God that loves us unconditionally and wants nothing more than for all of us to let him in so that he can change our story. Maybe he has a great thing for all of us. I, I just believe, I just believe he does. I don't, I don't think it's maybe, I, I believe that it is. But, but I think the key to it and what I try to talk to people about is this idea of surrender 
And, and so when I look at my story, I, I see that thread consistently. This idea of one person surrendering their will for God's will in a moment. You, you go back to my mother. What, what many people don't know is that she tried to come back and adopt us a year later. But we had already been given up for adoption. She, I, I don't believe she wanted to give us away, but, you know, if you were to talk to her, she would say she prayed and she didn't know, and, you know, you can land where you want to land with that, but, but she ended up giving us away, and then you get my parents that come down and accept us in the face of someone else rejecting us. They take a moment and they pray, and they say, God, what do you want? What are you saying? And they put their will away, and they pick up God's. They surrender to his leaning. And then you kind of fast forward to me giving my life to Christ for the first time at 16. And my sister saying, no, I don't want to go on that show. But I, I think God's doing something. You see a consistent thread of surrender that leads to a greater connection to God intervening in our lives. And as you surrender, your story is able to connect to his, and it leads to a greater story. And so if I were to leave you with one statement today, uh, it would be this one, that when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. When your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. Friend, there is a greater story available for you if you get out of the way and let him in. God has great things for all of us. But the only way he can get that great thing to us is for us to give our lives to him and to give every decision we make to him. Because it is in those little small moments of surrender that over time stack and a story starts to be created, a story starts to be built. If, if you can continue to put your will down and pick up his, he'll do something great in your life. There's a verse I want to give you that I just love. Can we put it up on the screen? It's a, a trust in the Lord. Woo! I'm getting excited. My black preacher is coming up. <laughs> trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. Here it is. And he will show you which path to take. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. The picture I see is us going through life, going, God, where, where do I go? I, I've got this thing, and there's this situation I've ended up in, and there's these cars I've been dealt, and, and, and you stop, and you go, God, show me where to go. He goes, here, here's the path to greater. Here's the path to greater. I got off again. Oh, let me stop for a second. Okay, God, what do you, okay, let me recorrect you. Here's the path to greater. And the more you can do it, the closer you get. And eventually, you capture that greater thing. As we end, can we all stand? Can we all stand. As we close, um, there, there are two people, two types of people that I love to talk to. Uh, the, the first person is the person that finds themselves in a crazy situation. You're going, God, where are you at? I, I, I didn't ask to be dealt these cards. 
This situation is dark. I don't see a way out. Maybe uh, it just naturally happened to you, or maybe you caused it. I don't know how I'm getting out of this. It's just chaos. If you're in that group, what I'd love to say to you is, God can rewrite your story. And God will rewrite your story if you let him. Woo! There it is. If you let him, he will come in. But you have a part to play. If you let him in, he'll rewrite it. And here's what I love about God. Either he moves the mountain or he gives us the strength to make it through. Either he moves the mountain or he gives us the strength to make it through. Let God come in and rewrite your story today. The second group I want to talk to are those that, that are going, man, I, you know, I, I've let God in and, you know, I, I'm ready for him to rewrite my story, but I just feel like I'm missing something. There's just like this, this last little thing. What I would say to you today is be rich. Be rich. Many times what I've found is that on the other side of our generosity is the miraculous. I mean, that's my story. I mean, on, on the other side of their generosity, I, I stand here today. On, on the other side of their sacrifice and their belief in me and, and, and everything and, and all the hours and all of the football games and all the basketball games and all of the late nights and all of the hurt times, on the other side of their sacrifice, of their generosity was a greater story. I'm telling you this, if you will sacrifice, if you will be generous, if you will get outside of your own world and go and help somebody else, give some money, adopt some kids, stand up for someone that cannot stand up for themselves, sacrifice in your life, great things will happen. Amen. That is the idea of be rich. <laughs> that when we sacrifice of our own hands, the world is made better. I think if you'll do it, friends, a greater story will happen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. Now, there are many people that are watching online that are in this room that are at another campus that are going through some hard stuff and they got dealt some, some pretty bad cards and uh, they're wondering if, if you could ever do anything to help and if, if, you, if you even care. God, I pray that in this moment, whether they believe in you or not, would you let them know that you, that you love them? That you love them and that, and that you want to intervene and, and that there is hope in the midst of the pain and there is hope in the midst of the darkness? That things can change. Would you let them know that even if the situation doesn't change, that you'll give them the strength to make it through? God, I pray for those that are still holding on to their own desires, still holding on to their own will. Would you let them let it go? And lastly, I pray for those that are in a season of generosity. You've put some things into their hands that, they, that they're supposed to give away. Some time. 
Maybe there's some fear holding them back from stepping out and doing the thing that will help the world become better, that, that will access the generosity. God, I pray that you will get rid of the fear. I pray for those even in this atmosphere that may want to adopt, may want to foster. For some of them, it's partnering with fostering together today to get in the game. Give us the ability to sacrifice and to surrender so that our story can connect to yours and so that it can lead to something greater. In Jesus' name, amen.